Welcome to another episode of the Slam Fest podcast, where we bring the premier rock concert pregaming experience from the parking lot to the podcasting airwaves. I'm Brad. So another milestone, episode 20, 0 and this is the first threesome on the pod. I mean, hold on, hold on, scratch, scratch that. This is the first episode where I'm going to have two guests on. Okay, so that sounds... That sounds a little better. First guest, back by popular demand from the Rush Presto-related episode, back on episode six. Andy, welcome back. Thank you, Brad. Great to be back. And the other is a new guest. When I had my brother on, and I can't remember the episode number, but it was the Aussie episode, I had mentioned he had to be the only other person that was mentioned more on the podcast other than myself and had yet to be on. I think the other guest has to be a close second. I've talked about the next guest over and over and over because he's been to many shows and we've had lots of musical escapades together. So Mike, welcome to the Slam Fest podcast. Thank you. Long time listener, first time caller. Yeah. (laughs) So there we go. Here's the, here's the two other guests, not the threesome, but the two, two guests on the, on the show. So as we've done in the other guest related episodes, We've gone down their musical history, and we've got a, a bunch of uh, questions to go through. So we got a little surprise for you tonight. We're gonna turn the microphone over to Mike. So, Mike, first question: What is your first music-related memory? Uh, that's an easy one uh, for me because it's still as old as I am. It's it's one of the visuals. Uh, to this day, it's still very strong in my mind. Uh, my brother was just born, he was an infant, and my dad was playing his acoustic guitar and we were listening to Rubber Soul. And I remember asking my dad if my brother was named after Paul McCartney, my brother Paul. So I don't think he was, but to this day, I still attribute uh, Paul McCartney being the reason my, my brother is named Paul. That that is awesome. Even if it wasn't, I would I would say that all the time. That is that is very very cool. So what? Any songs specifically that you remember in play? Uh, Michelle. Yep. We're trying to play along to that in particular <laughs> in my life. Nice. Um, to drive my car, and I remember him more singing a lot. You know, I think he was you know learning. You know, just kind yeah. of trying to play along, but. Yep. I just remember that. I remember holding up the album, just looking at it. Awesome. Poor guys, that weird sort of turn there. Yep. They were kind yep. of making, to me, that's where they really started making the turn musically. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, before Sgt. Pepper, honestly. Well, yes. To me, Sgt. Pepper was the game changer. But yep. Tangent. Tangent. Yep. Yeah, it's all right. In my life, <laughs> one of my, one of my, yeah. uh, one of my favorites um, from them for sure. So what music were you exposed to growing up? And again, that can be, you know, when you were, you know, six or seven, or that could be when you were 11 or 12 or all, all the above. Yeah, a lot of it, you know, I remember uh, being a kid, little kid of the 70s. Uh, a lot of stuff, my dad was Beatles and Stones. A lot of Beatles and Stones. Uh, he did have, you know, it's funny, I, when I later on when I went back to look at his record collection, he had Sabbath, and he had Nugent, and he had Alice Cooper. He had a lot of stuff, 
but he didn't, apparently he was afraid to play it around us. Because my brother and I found it when we were like in junior high and we're like, whoa, check this out. I mean, Raditz, if you remember, I remember taping her, you know, off of my dad's volume four record and trying to bring some of those back going, hey, I got some of this. Oh, yeah. Stuff. Oh, yeah. It It was great. But then a lot of stuff was then from my mom, which was like the Elton John, the Jerry Rafferty, Nazareth, uh, Bee Gees. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, that was a lot of uh, stuff I remember as a kid, record-wise, being played in the house. Yep. Uh, the song I remember maybe the most from the radio from back then, honestly, was uh, Charlie Daniels' Devil Went Down to Georgia. I still remember that. That song still is just, it blows me away. It sort of crosses a lot of boundaries because it was played on pop radio. My mom wasn't listening to country. Yeah. But, you know, that was one of those back in the 70s where genres, they weren't, you could still hear some some play. I think of a little bit of this, a little bit of that on one station. I mean, it was starting to separate, but musically, you could be exposed to more music. It was a lot easier to hear more things than yeah. it is today. Or yeah. even in the, the 80s when it really started to go. You listen to this or this or this or this you don't can't listen to other stuff yep yep uh, and then well one other band i guess i, I should mention uh, kiss uh I'll throw them in there i guess <laughs> just for <laughs> just for shits and giggles just right? for giggle you know there was a time when i was um i remember with my uh aunts and uncles who were like seven eight years older than me i was the eldest grandchild we were down at grandpa's and we we're outside playing and I was playing with them. We were, I don't know what we were doing, playing football. And I was the youngest. And, and I fell and got hurt. And they were like, oh, shit. Grandpa's going to, like, you know, grandkids hurt. And they're like, hey, sh- come down. Hey, we go inside. We can watch Kiss. Kiss was on that night. And they knew that I liked Kiss. And they're like, we can go in. We'll watch. That was one of the bribes was, we'll watch the Kiss movie tonight on TV. And it just happened to be that night. And, yep. Yep. And uh, they just had a tiny little TV. <laughs> Grandpa's out of the farm. But... We're sitting there watching it for you know, 10 minutes. No, Grandpa, probably, what the hell is this? Yep. Uh, yep. You know, it, that's interesting you bring up the Nazareth album because I can remember you bringing that over to my house, the <laughs> Hair of the Dog album. And I think I was listening to that song and laughing and look at what he's saying. He's saying, son of a bitch. And, and and all that stuff but and then kiss wise i think love gun wasn't that like one of your that was oh that was one of my first per- well i didn't purchase it uh picks for my mom that I oh that's right she would like for mother's day <laughs> i convinced my dad i know she wants to listen to this dad i know she does and my dad is like I don't think so. I don't know. And after a while, he was just laughing. He's like, all right, we're going to do it. You know, he, I, he knew. <laughs> he didn't want to listen to that. I mean, I just did it for me. Um, I wanted, because once again, I, my dad did listen to Kiss. I know he had Destroyer. Uh, I remember listening to Destroyer a lot. And then my, my uh, aunts and uncles, the young ones, you know, I just mentioned earlier, were also into Kiss. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, they were the ones who also got me uh, alive, too, that that that, that album. Brad, that you've seen. And oh, yeah. Have. And, uh, you know, yeah. I remember didn't. The main thing I really wanted out there at the time, though, were the uh, press on tattoos. The tattoos, yes. That was one of the coolest things. But, yeah, opening that up, though, and looking at that stage when you're six years old, I mean, that was. Yep. Game wow. changer. Game changer. Yeah. For sure. So, what was the first album that you acquired? So, again, whether it was through a gift or. Um, 
somebody bought it for you, you know, that type of a thing. I think I just jumped the gun there. Kiss yeah. Alive too. They gave okay. that to me. Yep. Yeah. That was uh that was the coolest thing ever to me. I mean, at the time because first of all, even then at six it, it scared my parents. Well, my mom was like, what? <laughs> I got to yeah. look at that going, I don't know. Um, but, you know, my parents were pretty open uh, about that as far as music went. So, but yeah, Kiss Alive 2, I remember my aunt giving me that. And I'm just like, no way. No way. It's like, mom, can we keep it? Don't throw it out. <laughs> and you didn't lose it in the tornado, right? Nope. 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 Like 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 the Garens. <laughs> the Garens lost their, their Kiss Alive albums in that tornado. Tornado. So, <laughs> um, what was the first album you purchased with your own money? Now I had a hard. Yeah, this was a little difficult for me because you know, being so young, I couldn't remember if I had some birthday money. Maybe I bought one of these albums on. So I actually went back. I went a little bit later because I would go the one I know I used my own money with because there's no way my mom would have got two of these. I actually bought two things at the same time, uh, and that was later on. Um, but it was actually Ultimate Sin and Master of Puppets I bought at the same time. And I know I bought them with my own money because I know my mom would never buy those. Or my parents would never buy them. And I probably bought something before that, but you know, it was really hard to tell. Mm-hmm. I can remember if I just acquired it for birthday or you know that sort of thing uh, for most of that stuff. But I remember like by myself buying those cassettes yep. in particular and I bought them at the same time. Yep, yep, and interesting. They, they went on tour, they were on tour together. Yeah, exactly. It was yeah. very, yeah, very harmonious. There. Yeah, there you go. All right. So here now, here's the here's the big one, the big one. So, what are your top five bands? And we'll start out kind of in format, um, hard rock and and metal from the '70s, '80s, '90s, 2000s, and 2010s. '70s not big enough. <laughs> I mean, five. It's just wrong. I'm just going to say that right now. And also, it, to me, it was some things that are weird, couple things. I'm just, I want to preface this. Um, because when I think of 70s, the band I couldn't even put in there, Zeppelin, because of based on the first album, I yep. just didn't, didn't feel right. Yeah. So I want to preface that. <laughs> I, did, I did that on purpose. I wanted to make sure I'd cut it so it couldn't be 69 that... Right. Well, exactly. Well, and, and that happened to another one of my bands here. I'm like, this doesn't feel right, but I, they're one of my favorite bands. It wasn't the time that I listened to them or I thought they were in their hands. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, 70s Sabbath, Priest, Rush, ACDC, Motorhead. Motorhead, I had to put in, I, I, I went back and forth because I was just like, because I, I didn't get into them until the 80s. And when their first their album, you know, Ace of Spades, 80, 1980. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. That's when I really got into them. So to me, even that one is like, even though, yeah, they were around in the 70s and, they, you know, had some, some good early stuff, that I don't associate them with the 70s, but I had to put them there based on the card. So, yep, yep. So that, that one felt weird. All the rest of them, I think, are just no-brainers. So, yeah. Well, I think that says one thing about the 70s. Oh, live good area, stuff. The yeah. best era in rock, period. Yep. No, no question. Just you can argue all you want, but it's it's just it's worthless. Exactly. Seventy by far. I am still listening to new music, new music. I'm doing air quotes by the way, from the seventies that I've never heard from bands that I liked, and I just listened to Sin After Sin for the 
all the way through about 10 times in the past week, other than, you know, the Van Halen 3. Uh, sin after sin, start to finish, over and over and over. I'm like, how did I not listen to this whole thing? I, I knew like five songs off, but I never just did a vinyl listen, you know. Uh, lots of reasons for that. Uh, for, for a lot for a lot of those things one I never had any money when these albums were out uh, two I was you know five uh, <laughs> and three by the time I could afford to buy them uh, digital music is, is out where I could just pick and choose and I always just pick and choose the stuff I already stuff know. that you knew yep yep so I never listened to like a whole album sin after sin I read something about Halford it has a biography coming out and was what's your favorite album the thing you underappreciate it's sin after sin I'm like that's weird because I'm looking at it like, yeah, I know like, you know, most of the songs or I don't know like these three at all. And I yeah. just listen to it. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I'm like, damn. And that's from 76. And I forgot. Yep. But, you, know, yep. you know, 40 years ago and I'm just listening to it in its entirety. That's what I mean. You're still, there's so much good rock metal music from the 70s. It just, we could do a whole show just on that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Easy. Easy. <laughs> Easy. Okay. All right. That's my seventh. Yep. Nope. That's good. 1980s. 80s. Uh, first four. Once again, easy. Maiden. <laughs> GNR. Megadeth. Ozzy Solo. Counts, right? And then I had to go with Soundgarden. Ah, Even though that's yeah. that's the one once again where I'm yep. like this doesn't fit, but that's when the first album came out, and I'm like, and they were, uh, you know, one of my favorite bands, and their their heyday was the the '90s. I mean, you associate you think of the '90s with the soundtrack, same with Zeppelin, Zeppelin think of the '70s, but technically, first album was like '88 or '89. Uh, yeah. So, yep. um, so I had to put them in there, and I felt. Felt wrong. Felt that was squeezing somebody out, a couple people out. But it's funny because let's. I listened to more metal in the '80s, you know, going high school, teenager. But it was a lot easier to find these, the the, the bands in the '80s. Like I said, that was actually easier for me to do. Uh, '70s, yeah, man, I'm still like going. Well, God. <laughs> well, or, or you could have. You were such. You're being such a such a good boy there, Mike, and staying within the rules because Andy and I both cheated <laughs> on, on our episodes. <laughs> so you're sticking to the rules and I, and I uh, appreciate that. So, um, good, yeah. So 19, <laughs> 1990s. Buck Cherry, Alice in Chains, Stone Temple Pilots, Queens of the Stone Age, Smashing Pumpkins. Nice. Nice. And the Queens of the Stone Age, you know, you think, oh, I listened to them all the time in the 90s. Nope. I probably knew two songs in the 90s. I've grown to love them more recently, particularly with my wife, who's a huge fan, and really got me turned on to them. And I've seen them a few times live, and the guy, he's got problems, uh, Josh Homey, he's, but he's brilliant, and he's musically. And, I'm, and once so I'm going backwards once again, like get the time machine and go, wow, listen to all the stuff that came out 20 years ago. <laughs> that I missed. <laughs> so I'm always late to the party, but at least I found it. You know, I love it. I yep. Think yep. No, that's, yeah. I, I didn't know hardly anything about them. And I, I started to dig into them a little bit and, 
and I like I like what I like what I hear. But it is it's fun to go back. I think it's fun to go back and totally. I mean, figure you know, listen to a an album that you haven't heard from an artist that you love, or just discover somebody completely new. I yep. mean, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. Absolutely. So 2000s. Black Label Society, Audio Slave, Perfect Circle, Halford, Velvet Revolver. Nice, nice. There's yeah, those are those are great. Those are great. And, and you got it in every one of those. They're all rehashed dudes from previous. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my. I feel like I I skirted the rules to some degree. No, <laughs> I, I think it. I think it just again, as I said, like. It's telling on the seventies. It's telling at where music was in the two thousands. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yep. it just it just it just is. So so twenty tens. Yeah, this that doesn't even exist. I had to make sure of that. <laughs> um, I wish I was lying. I have two. I have two. Then I'm gonna give everything else is fake. Um, Royal Blood, who I actually saw open for Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, and then I totally sort of cheated and skirted the rule. Eh. John Five and the Creatures. Not John Five, but John Five and the Creatures, which is the live album. And as that uh, incarnation uh, was released later, because he has stuff prior to that. Obviously. Yes, yes. Um, yep. I got nothing. I mean, I, I, I don't listen to anything else. And I was like searching and searching and like, just pretend you like something like, oh, I like Hailstorm. I'm like, oh, Hailstorm, perfect, right? Like 2008. I'm like, oh, <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> I'm so pissed. No, so I was like, so even the newer stuff like Hailstorm, you know, people who are good. I mean, there are some some good newer artists. They were they were still in that 2000s. Yeah. Even like Hailstorm, I. I I did. I wouldn't put them above the ones that I listed. That yeah. I, that I listened to uh, myself. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, 2010s. You got a lot of work to do. No, it's yeah. So who who knows, Mike? Maybe you know, 20 years from now, you'll go back to the 2010s. Oh, that's what's going to happen. And, yeah. and rediscover something that uh, they exactly. got. I mean, it's so hard to find. I mean, the new bands just they just get lost. You know, I mean, it just gets lost in the shuffle. If it Absolutely. if it's not just knocking your socks off, it gets lost after a couple of weeks. So, um, just is what it is. So outside of format, um, I know, I know you, I know you're all over the board. Um, yeah. with stuff. This so, is actually kind of hard. So hit, a, hit us with some, yeah. Hit us with a couple from, from each, if you can. Uh, Beck, public enemy, <laughs> sublime, Elton John, Willie Nelson, David Bowie. Nice. Um, and I and those I pick, those are literally things I get off my liked list. I mean, I still listen to like every one of those bands um, in in rotation. Every you know, um, every one of them because they all have a lot. I mean, like Elton John once again, you know, huge catalog going back. Uh, Public Enemy for me early on uh, stood out from other rap, you know, in the rap genre. Smart, yeah. Ang- but still have the anger, smart and angry, which is I I totally dug it, you know. Uh, hard to find in, in music in general is you can tie, hey, these guys are smart and have energy. It's like, wow, because usually they're just stupid and, you know, whatever. Hey, let's have sex and just play real loud and fast. And, you know, a teenager, you're like, yeah. As yeah. you get older, you appreciate, I think, 
hey, wow, wow, do you read these lyrics? Wow, these guys really they have a lot of thought behind what they're writing. So that was to me. Sublime, well, yep. see line one. Right, uh, <laughs> right. But fun and talented, really yep. good. Yep. Appreciate it, um, Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson, you know, Andy, I think, at this company, he's, he's, you cannot define Willie Nelson in a genre. Uh, he is, he is Americana, is how I call it, because he covers everything, you name it. He's what, you know, I think music uh, sort of stands for. Like him and Neil Young, to me, is like, oh yeah, funny, they both are on Farm Aid, I guess, too. But, yeah. Uh, and then Bowie, same thing. Don't, yeah, oh, yeah. don't put me in a corner. I mean, the guy plays, and you talk about great early 70s stuff. Rock. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I have to thank my brother really got me on the boat. It's funny. My brother and I, I turned him on to a lot of some other things, and he found some other weird stuff for me, and I was like, wow, I never listened. Bowie is one of them. Nice. Nice. Those are those are great, Mike. That's some, of, some of them I knew, some of them I... All right. Some of them I thought I knew were coming, but some of them surprised me. And I, that's the, that's the whole point. So that's very good. So what was your first concert? Uh, well, our other guest here uh, actually took me to it. Uh, September 5th, 1984, 1984 twisted sister stay hungry tour. And uh, you better believe I wore my cutoff t-shirt that had D. Snyder on the front that went down about my knees and said, play it loud, mother, to sixth grade. <laughs> the next day at Dodge Elementary, damn right I did. Play and, it loud, mother. And who, who 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 opened that show? Was that Y&T. The, yes, Y&T. Y&T. I had no idea who they were at the time. Uh, I knew enough of Twisted Sister to go. And then, uh, you know, at that show, still, the, I mean, it's a couple, I'll say three memories specifically about that show first one was we couldn't find the damn thing because we were going to civic and we didn't know that it was at the music hall we didn't you know that was like a weird thing we're like what the hell we knew it was at civic and then like they drove around and andy's parents i forget you know his dad or we went around and sure enough there it was at the music hall it was the first show they had gone to so it was different um <laughs> Second memory I have about it is before the show started, Andy and I were up in the balcony, like in the front, and then we could see down on the floor, you know, there's like a pit, like an orchestra pit, because the music hall. Uh, Andy's brother Brad and Jay Johnson were up on the rail, you know, behind the pit there with their brand new studs on, turn around. You know, given that, we could see them down there. And I was like, dude, like they're down front, and we're just, you know, we're like, four feet six, you know, like hundred pounds or something. Andy probably didn't even weigh that, but up in the balcony, Twisted Sister, like, oh my God, great. Third thing about the show, it's at some point when Dee Sire was talking to us, belched into the microphone, he's like, whoa, sorry, just had some mustard and meatballs. Uh, as funny as that sounds, I mean, that's like, they st it stands out. I could, the concert was, yeah, great, you know, just remember, you know, we're not gonna take it. Just because that album, that album had just come out, I think, that summer. It was, uh, yeah, it was still recent. They were still yeah. releasing stuff off of it. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to take it was the one that had been out and that really yep. shot up because MTV was still yep. uh, a thing at the time. Yep. Uh, really set that thing and really pushed it up. So, yeah. how about your most recent concert? 
which is an interesting question in the uh, uh, yeah. where we're where we're at right now. COVID land, yeah. Yes. El Monstero, my cover band, Floyd. <laughs> yeah. Andy was supposed to come to, as a matter of fact. Speaking of, you know, let's bring it all back. Let's bring know, it all together. Yeah. Hey, our other guest here, who you know, we're talking going to be talking about a Pink Floyd show. We were supposed to see a Pink Floyd cover band. Uh, I ended up going with uh, some other friends, but at the time, like the COVID thing just hit, and uh, there had been some exposure or potential exposures up uh, in Andy or you know in Lincoln, in the office and stuff. He's like, you know, I'm just uh, uh, not feel comfortable going down. And Tom's like, yeah, I get it. In hindsight, you know, we just talked like, God damn it, you should have came down for that thing. God, no, you know, it's like, so was that back in, when was it? March. March. It was the weekend before the city shut down. Oh. It was like the last time you could have an event over 100 people. And they had, it wasn't full, it was less, you know, people in there, but they kept it at like 900 or whatever they they could, like under Mm -hmm. 1,000, sort of a a deal. Which was at the Uptown, a.k.a. U-Town. Where uh, we saw uh, Megadeth, yep, uh, up there at the time. So give a little reference, but yeah, and uh, I don't know what I'm going to see next, and that's really. What do you mean, no no tickets purchased for anything? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. So now the last question, which is which is brutal, but Mm -hmm. what what is your desert island album? It is nothing because it doesn't matter. Because I don't care what I would listen to after a month, I'd want to piss on it and burn it. <laughs> That's the truth. I'm dead. Because I'm like, oh, I'd want to listen to this. I said, no, I couldn't listen. I could. I would almost rather listen to nothing than have to listen to the same thing over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> and that's the truth. Because <laughs> I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, I could listen to that. I could be, I'm like, no, I couldn't. After that, I'd be like, I fucking hate Guns and Roses. And, you know. Throw it out I love in the it. ocean. <laughs> I, <laughs> you'd probably, yeah, you'd end up eating it. Eating vinyl, no vinyl. Exactly. Very good, I would eat it just so I could shit it out because <laughs> I'd hate it so much. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Well, good. Partner French kids. Yes. No, you're, you're good. You're good. That, that, that was awesome, Mike. I, I learned, I learned something. Andy, I know you've known him way longer than me. Did you learn something from that? I learned a lot and we lived in different cities for a lot of those years uh, as we got older. So we went our own ways with music as you do. And so Mike has reintroduced a lot of those bands to me as well. All of the Chris Cornell stuff I uh, learned from Mike, of course. So I learned a lot, but I also shared a lot of those memories. The Master of Puppets tape, we wore that thing out in whenever you you think out you said that was something early that you owned and we just wore it out and wore it out and i have a lot of great memories of those times all right so moving on so this as mike mike mentioned uh the pink floyd cover band so this this the rest of this episode is going to revolve around the pink floyd show the three of us saw june 16th 1994 Cyclone Stadium, Ames, Iowa. Floyd brought us pigs that fly, planes that crash, and walls that come tumbling down. Now, the time has come to go a step further. 
the concert that will redefine the stadium spectacular. Pink Floor. Live. Is on its way. A step into the future. Pink Floyd Live. Reserve seat tickets available now at all Ticketmaster outlets or call 212-307-7171 to charge. Pink Floyd Live, a James L. Nederlander CPI USA production. So I thought that it would be interesting, our backgrounds with Cyclone Stadium. So Andy... <laughs> You, what's your what's your background with Cyclone Stadium? <laughs> I think I've been there three times. And the first time I was there, you brought up on a previous episode where you were there in Ames at a show and I was in the stadium at a Nebraska football game where we got beat by Iowa State. And of course... I think as most of us know, those were the days where we did not lose to Iowa State. It just wasn't even a possibility. So we were quite obnoxious, painted in red, college kids who had to be humbled and spent the rest of that evening trying to tear down high school goalposts somewhere in a small town. So that's one, t uh, that was the first time I was there was to see the Huskers lose, which was heartbreaking. I saw you two there. And then, um, and then the show we're going to talk about tonight. So no, tell, tell me about that U2 show. <laughs> well, uh, I was there physically <laughs> and I remember some stuff, Bono and the Handycam. I remember that. Uh, but the rest is pretty hazy at best. I was supposed to be at that U2 show. and But we're going to talk a little bit about that in the Slamfest tip of the week of what you don't do with tickets when there's a potential for an ex-girlfriend to be involved. So anyway, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that later. Um, but so, Mike, had you been to Cyclone Stadium before this show? Um, no. Okay. Nope. Nope. I've been to, I went to Visha like two oh, years ago. Oh, yeah. 92. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then that's it. Yeah. 92 or 93. But I've been to Ames uh, campus, but I had not been in. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So how about our backgrounds with, with Pink Floyd? Um, Mike, do you want to start? Sure. Sure. I mean, my introduction, I remember Pink Floyd um 70s but well actually no i guess it was, well, 79 yeah 80 79 80 my uncle one of my those younger uncles again uh had the wall uh in his car and uh i remember listening to that a lot um uh, going whoa so even though you know all the other stuff had come out i don't remember anything prior to that you know like dark side of the moon i'm sure was still in heavy rotation on on the radio but i don't remember it uh, yeah. what i do remember is definitely uh the wall yeah and uh, of course uh, i loved uh, the brick of the wall i don't know because i was a kid yep. kids were singing and hey, we don't need no education and hey you know what comes around you know 
Don't throw it. Yep. Uh, but uh, no, that's what I remember. That was my introduction. Okay. Uh, that I remember. So Andy, yeah, Andy, when you were on before, I think you talked about your older brothers maybe having some Floyd. Is that where it started? Do you remember? Yes, my oldest brother had the wall, the the vinyl, the sort of the fold out white thing. Um, So that was my introduction. I remember, like you said, Mike, nothing of Pink Floyd before that. So that was kind of a retrospective thing. And then honestly, nothing subsequent to that much and except what was maybe on the radio until delicate sound of thunder uh and then sort of use that to work backwards so with me as i think andy and i talked on the previous episode i again i don't remember us having a classic rock station in necessarily in in grand island i mean the pop hit station would probably play some of it, but I, I didn't know what it was. But I think my first exposure was the learning to fly video off of wow. momentary lapse of, seriously. I mean, my brother had, didn't, really? I, I, I got nothing from him because he wasn't into it. So it probably was that video. And then after that, I think Del- Delicate Sound of Thunder from Mike, I would have, yeah. I, I assume was it was from you. Things. Yeah. That was like, like the third CD I bought after I got a, a, a CD player. It was yep. Delicate Sound of Thunder. So, yeah, yep. that makes sense. Yeah. So this tour, so the Division Bell Tour, um, 112 shows, March 30th of 94 through October 29th of, of 94. And what was interesting is is doing some research on it. Obviously, the there's all kinds of videos uh, on YouTube and there's actually a video from there's, there's a video and then there's a decent audio from this specific show, uh, which was interesting to go back and, and kind of take a look at it. But uh, guys talk about the ticket buying experience. Cause I know you guys were both involved in that, or I, I, I believe there was a, maybe Homer's records and tapes was involved, I guess. One of you want to take that? Yeah, Andy, go ahead. Andy's roommate at the time was the actual purchaser. Okay. Of all of us. We all went down there. This is back in the day. I told Andy to tell the story. Here I go. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, <laughs> there were, what, four of us to go down there? Because we were purchasing, I believe, a total of seven tickets. But back in the day, kids, this is when you had to go down and buy a ticket physically at a store. And uh, because this was a huge show, and they knew it was a lot of demand. There was a huge line out there, and we were just, I don't know, somewhere in the middle of this line of, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 people. I don't exactly remember how long it was. And we each got a number. So everybody got a number down the line, and they just picked a number randomly, and that was where we would, the number, or the line would start. start. Yeah. Yeah, number one. So uh, Andy's roommate, Luke, time, was the second guy. No, you know, they drew 16, he was 17. So we gave like all our money to him and we're just like, oh, get, get three of these, four of those, and blah, 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 you know, we've got like the most amount of money any of us in college had ever had at the time was like 200 bucks. Um, well, actually, no, what the, the tickets, we we three, and then one other, uh, who was the third? Was it Stang? Mike Stang? Who was the fourth? We got the, the really close, we spent $60, if I remember correctly, ish. 
which was outrageous, right? Yeah, yeah. And we yeah. got tickets, folks. Dead center, 20 rows back in Cyclone Stadium. I couldn't sell my kid right now and get a ticket like that in, in anywhere for anyone. Um, oh, God, yeah. Yeah. So that was like an amazing freak thing. And those were some of the best seats for a, so, a show that size we'll ever get again. One other show we got, Brad, you happen to get those? Uh, that's a whole other story. That is a whole other story. But that'll that'll be on a subsequent that'll be on a subsequent episode. Okay, so Pink Floyd's set list. So they had actually two two sets. Started off with Astronomy Domine, Learning to Fly, What Do You Want From Me, On the Turning Away, Take It Back, A Great Day for Freedom, Sorrow, Keep Talking, and close that first set with One of These Days. Second set, Shine On You Crazy Diamond, parts one through five. Speak to me, breathe, time, a, repri a reprise of breathe, high hopes, the great gig in the sky, wish you were here, us and them, money, another brick in the wall, part two, comfortably numb, and then encore, hey you, and run like hell. Okay, so the breakdown on the set list. So one song off of the debut, The Piper at the Gates of Dawn, which is interesting since Gilmore was not even part of the band yet. Um, zero songs off of the next four. So A Saucer Full of Secrets, more Uma Guma, I think is how you pronounce that. Adam Hart Mother, so no songs off of any of those. One song off of Metal, Zero songs off of Obscured by Clouds. Five songs off of Dark Side of the Moon. Two songs off of Wish You Were Here. Four songs off of The Wall. Zero songs off of The Final Cut. Three songs off of Momentary Lapse of Reason. And then they played five songs off of The Division Bell, which was the album they were promoting. Just, you know, real quick, my my memory of, of all this, so I was living in Des Moines. These guys were in Omaha and the whole crew came over and we were living, I was living in a, uh, I guess you could call it a town home next to the animal house, which was known as my fraternity house. Um, but we had people over and we, I think I remember gr grilling out and obviously we were having some beverages and then we made the short trek north 20, 20 minutes or so to, to Ames. And guys, I don't know if you remember this, but I, I feel like we parked. I don't think the weather was real good. I feel like it was cloudy. I'm not sure if it like rain. I don't know if it had rained a little bit, but I feel like we did a poor man's tailgate. <laughs> like, like maybe had a beer each and we're standing outside of our car, just standing there, you know, drinking. I, I, again, I, I think we were parked a long way away from the stadium um i remember nothing of tailgating okay so yeah, that's what i mean i don't think it was technically tailgating but i feel like we brought a cooler of of beer and didn't really didn't really do much but because we had to drive back that night yeah so like we were in like had to go to work I, that that's what i like there was like we couldn't in school like we didn't 
it wasn't a it wasn't a, like a typical what we try to you know we plan around now sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, but it was just a huge show and we did what we could. We just got our asses there. Yep. And, and Andy, I mean, what was your first memory of being in Ames or being on the trip? I got to admit, you know, my first memory was walking into the stadium yeah. and going, we had a wristband or something because we had those great seats. And they're like, uh, you guys move on. You guys move on. You guys move on. We just kept walking, like holding up our armbands, like, yeah. <laughs> yes, you know, hey, bitches, look at us. Yeah, like everybody else gets stopped. We kept moving forward. Yep. I, do, I do remember that detail. That's the I first thing I remember that I can remember. What, what do you remember? What is yours? I, I can remember being at Brad's ahead of that a little bit. Um, I think because what I watched it on YouTube in the last week, the overcast weather. Uh, and then I guess uh, I don't remember tailgating or even having one beer. We we very well may have. And then I just remember being shocked when they kept sending us forward on the field. Yeah. I, yeah. That was huge. Huge. Yep. The the seats were uh, the seats were were amazing for sure. Now the one the one memory that I have is so they. I remember music starting. I remember people walking out on stage and, and them starting to play. And I had no idea, A, what the song was. And B, I'm just like, I, I don't know. I just remember not knowing that that was even them. Astronomy Domini. <laughs> because, yeah, we're like, hey, oh, wow, I didn't know they're going to have a warm-up band. Exactly. I, no, I remember like us all saying that, like, looking at each other. Anybody know this shit? Oh, I, I don't know. And we were so close, but we were still far enough back. Like, I can't see. You. It was still early on in the show. You know, yeah. Brightwell's just started. And yeah. It's still light out. And at that point, I'm just going, am I having a warm-up band? Because I don't know what the <laughs> play. <laughs> you know, you know, when we talked about our backgrounds, we knew the wall and a delicate sound of thunder, basically, at this point. Right. So, right. Yeah, throwing, throwing some Sid Barrett stuff in there. Yeah, we're all just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Do you remember that, Andy, at all? I well, I I do, but it's probably tainted by the YouTube watching. Sure. Yeah. Because even watching that, it's light out, and the show starts, and it's so sort of low key, and there's not this big uh, thing happening. And I'm sure that I, I guarantee you, as I've done at many shows uh, that I saw when I was a little kid. I was wondering, who is this? Is this who I came to see, or is somebody different? <laughs> right. Yeah, and that yeah that always has stuck with me because then that ended and there was just some golf clap, you know, clapping going yeah. on. It just was <laughs> yeah, it was like what, what's going on? And then of course, then they just smack you in the face with learning to fly.
Oh, that's that's them. Yeah. That's, that's actually them. Exactly. I think that was a shocker. It's like, oh shit, that was. <laughs> like, I know. We're just about ready to go. Yeah, get off the stage. You know, <laughs> yeah. Losers, bring that. Oh god, it's them. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> but I mean, what a great opener. I think. I mean, just a great opener for the uh, the second song. Well. The opener in my eyes being learning to fly I, I thought was fantastic um during that you know the kind of the classic breakdown part when it's just basically gilmore's voice singing and i mean the spotlights or i mean the mood of all of that and again andy you're right going back and watching the video helps helps with your memory but um i thought that was very cool you know, I got to admit to, in going back, even though you, you talked about, you know, the first song, the astronomy, uh, Sid Barrett and, you know, uh, Gilmore wasn't even in the band. He has always paid tribute, you know, always uh, to Barrett and always gives a lot of credit to Pink Floyd and their success going forward to Barrett. I've always read that and I've always thought slightly strange because I'm like, you're the guy who replaced him. Right. You show him so much respect. And honestly, that is the sort of thing I think he did almost out of respect yeah, yeah. to I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you writing the song. I mean, that's how I see that. And even though I know dipshits like me at the time are going, who's this opening band playing this weird song? I don't know. <laughs> that's his tip of the cap to make us go, uh, just so you guys know. This is where it all started. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and Gilmore, I, I always thought, I just thought it was very gracious of him to, to do that the way he did. He always, he always talked about Sid. And I'm like, dude, you were the guy who replaced him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No animosity whatsoever. You know, as a matter of fact, the opposite. Exactly. Uh, graciousness uh, to him. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And what was interesting is so that first set, nine songs, so astronomy kicks it off, and one of these days closes it. But everything else between that is all momentary lapse, and later, which I thought was interesting as well. Just the way that they kind of set that up. Hey, you know, here's Gilmore. Hey, here's my my version of Pink Floyd doing kind of our stuff, bookended with you know those other songs, and and then we'll then we'll get into the stuff that you really came to hear. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. On the turning away, I I just absolutely adore that song. And you know, I the one thing I think it would be so cool to have that as a opening like an encore just kind of ease into you know something that's going to be bigger but i mean on the turning away is kind of seems like gilmore's version of shine on shine on yeah yeah big but, slow but big and powerful yeah you know? and classic i know that is it's one of those instant classic sort of floyd yeah on the you know you mentioned that that on the turning away learning to fly yep great tune but on the turning away is like it, it almost balances out yeah this is new but wow it really reminds you of <laughs> exactly and not that you have to do that but it certainly does man yeah. just like you said i like the way you put that that build that slow yeah. floyd thing where you're going ethereal sound and then into the solo oh god big powerful and the big backing vocals the 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 the, the bluesy mm-hmm. the female uh, backing vocals that they're famous for uh, all throughout you know what i mean it's like yep whoa it's, speaking of taking it back it's yeah. like taking it back it's like <laughs> right. wow this is 
huge. It's a big song and cool as hell. And, and no, uh, you know, no waters. But yeah, right, <laughs> right. Andy, any comments on the first set of songs? Well, uh, you guys preempted my comment. Oh, for, for good reason. I'm turning away. It was, and we're going to get to this later, but that's when you wonder, can they still be the same thing without waters? And the answer is in that song. And so uh, that's my comment on the first uh, set and sorrow. Uh, yeah. I, I love that also. Yeah, and closing out that set with one of these days, which, I mean, what, a, what an awesome, I mean, I mean, just watching that video, on YouTube of it. I mean, there was so much going on. Obviously the pigs came out uh, on either side of the stage, those inflatable. But when all those lights on the stage in that dome turn on, I mean, it was just blinding. I'm trying to remember, was it just because I'm watching this video or was it blinding when we were there? <laughs> I guess I can't remember. No, probably more me just being in awe, I'm gonna say. And then let's bring this to a point too. Uh, I'm going to come back to this later on in the discussion, but how many times you see a guy pull out a lap steel and just rock the shit out of it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. There's one, there's one guy I know. His name is David Gilmore. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, though, with regards to the stage, you didn't really talk about the stage. I had some notes, but it was that half shell, right? Dome stage. But what was interesting... Um, obviously, we all are familiar with the delicate sound of thunder and how the, the the lights that are like in front of the stage, but below, you know, where they where they're standing, the ones that shine up and like different, uh, um, almost have different shapes of lighting on it. They use that same stuff uh, on this tour as they did on that delicate sound of thunder. So whether they they were the same ones, but I mean those, I thought those. That, that lighting was was awesome and then there were there were too many spotlights I think to count you know those little automated black spotlights were just for everywhere and uh, lasers and of course all of that stuff and actually pyro I don't remember there being pyro but watching the YouTube video they had pyro and fireworks as well so I just thought it was the people in front of us lighting up but no yeah, yeah those <laughs> Now I gotta I gotta, I gotta make a comment here uh, on the, about the first set because so we talked about you know how it started and where it ended and ended one of these days, which is I gotta tell this story one of my favorite stories here, which is off the album Metal, and as much as a Pink Floyd fan as I am, or I think I am I should say, preface this, I knew Pink Floyd from Dark Side of the Moon through Present. I thought I knew most of it. I thought I knew all of it. I thought, I, what have I missed? Nothing, right? And we go down, we have a little slam fest down in Tulsa, Oklahoma one year, and uh, Craig Guerin, who's uh, another guest on the show, says, hey, Ullman, you like metal? I'm like, looking at him, I'm going, well, we're going to a Maiden show, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I metal, I mean, that's, I was, well, honestly, really confused. He goes, no, 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 Pink Floyd, the album, metal. I'm like, the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't know. So we ended up putting it on. And that's what one of these days was on. I've lurched, looked high and low, 
searched literally like where the f- is this thing at and i'm like it couldn't be before nothing before dark side of the moon was worth a shit you know it was all sid Barrett-y stuff even though he wasn't in it it was still that psychedelia stuff didn't give it the time of bleeping day and i listened to metal and i remember calling craig and going I cannot believe <laughs> I never listened to this album for one. And one of these days was on it and kicks off with it. And one of the songs that I never knew where to find it. I'm like, I must be missing. It's got to be on Animal. I mean, but I've yeah. listened to all those front to back a billion times. I'm just so stupid. <laughs> I didn't like before 1973. One album before. And that's where the change happened. It wasn't Dark Side of the Moon. It was metal. So that's why I wanted to just preference you know, or go back to that with one of these days because that one of my favorite songs uh, that Pink Floyd does is called Fearless, which is off of metal. Awesome song. And I never knew, yes, and I never knew where it came. Once again, I'm like, oh, wait, is that some sort of thing off of uh, Shine On? You know, Shine On had so many things, uh, you know, so many uh, uh, Art different stuff. parts of it. Thank you. Part. I, I don't know Roman numerals, Andy, so I, I can't keep track of all of them. But um, yeah, it's like, oh, this must be just thrown in there as one of those things. Because I heard this band, El Monstero, play it. And I'm like, what is this song? It sounds so much like this, but it's not. And I was searching, I couldn't find it. This Captain Dipshit, literally, me, I would not go before Dark Side of the Moon. I just wouldn't do it. I, for whatever reason, I thought it was off limits. They weren't a real band. I mean, they were, but I mean, they, they didn't develop musically. But the Dark Side of the Moon came about because of metal. And my dumb ass didn't figure it out until somebody said, hey, Omen, do you like metal? And of course, <laughs> I didn't know what they were talking about. Because <laughs> I'm a dumbass. <laughs> so, so that's my metal story. <laughs> so they took, they took about a 15-minute uh, break, according to the video. Um, and when they came on to Shine On You Crazy Diamond, they had the... Uh, a circular lighting rig with a screen in the middle and I don't know I don't know where it came from but it showed up which is similar obviously to the delicate sound of thunder stage I think with that that was probably a, a nod a nod to that um, again the visuals were the visuals were were amazing and then of course the second set was loaded with uh, with hits um, Andy any any thoughts on the second set? How about Great Gig in the Sky?
Oh God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what? I, I I watched an interview this week. I watched an interview with the gal who sang the original for the recording. She basically said I was given no direction on what to do. They just told me to sing, and she sang a few words. They didn't want words, so they stopped her. And then uh, she's like, "Well, I guess I'm taking the place of a saxophone." But uh, I'm willing to bet I had not heard that song before the show. But uh, or if I had, not many times or hadn't thought of it. Uh, so that one, I'm sure, is one that changed things for me. Yeah, chills, chills for sure. That 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 gal, whoever that was, I didn't look up her name, but she she did a hell of a job. And I mean, then then right after that, wish you were here. Um, thought it was cool that he was he was sitting down <laughs> watching that video. He, he was sitting down at the beginning, and he I mean he timed it perfectly of just standing up, taking a couple of steps, and he's at the microphone uh, when he had to start singing. So like he's done it before. Like he's done it before. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. My the only the one thing that I I wish and we'll get into this a little later when we talk about the wall, but I wish they would have included the happiest days of our lives intro. I mean, even if a, a lot of it was, you know, taped before, but they didn't. They just went, you know, it was just a because I I well, and don't want to tip my hand, but I love I love that intro. Um to that song so i i wish they would have uh, included that i get live. it i get it because to me it's that well that screaming sound to me is like what kicks off you know that that scream to ah to just that yeah. robotic we don't yeah. need no and that's what makes it i mean that's what gives you the chills to me if yeah. you just heard the song yeah it's got a great <laughs> little riff little beat and it's got that almost disco-y you know uh guitar yeah yeah but it's that you know yeah and yeah. That, ah, that exactly i scream to just yeah cut into weed yep. and then and you got like the happiest days of our lives right into the robots that's part of the beauty of the wall but yeah it, let's say yeah <laughs> yeah right no exactly so i i wish they would have i wish they would have done that uh Live. And then the only other thing I noticed, and I listened to Delicate Sound of Thunder a little bit, obviously preparing for this, and, and it was in, in this show as well, but the verses of Comfortably Numb, the harmonizing vocal, I mean, there's there's harmonizing vocal going on, and there is, you know, that's not present on the studio, you know, it's, uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, the verses of Comfortably Numb are, are Waters singing, right? Yeah, and the then, verse. Uh, yep, the verse, and then Gilmore. But live, both on Delicate Sound of Thunder and on this show, I mean, there were there were three people singing the verse. I want to say it was, there was, and I, I that I I didn't, uh, I kind of preferred the studio version of it, but I, that just stuck out to me um, with that uh, with that particular song. But anyway, Mike, any other thoughts on the second set before the encore? Uh, not not too much um, in particular, but Shine On You Crazy Diamond to me is one. I think Andy and I have both talked about this particular song. Um, it's like, 
when that goes on, not only are like the the, the lighting, the the rigs, the uh, um, the the lighting set that goes along with the shine on, to me gives me chills. It uh, there's something so cool about that because isn't that's one of the where they usually get out the the ball well. Depends on what show you're going to. Right, right. <laughs> disco ball too. The, yeah. the light show. It's shine on. The crazy diamond, and they have that disco ball going, and you're just like, oh my god. And then you know, and then especially older. I think I appreciate it older. On this show, I probably didn't care. I'm like, ooh, neat. But older, when you when I hear about how that whole album uh, is about Sid Barrett, you know, shine on, you crazy diamond, and you know, uh, it's a tribute mm-hmm. to him. Well. Shine on you, crazy diamond. I mean, it's um, it's subtle and straightforward at the same time. <laughs> you know, it's like, God, we miss him. He poor guy's lost his, his marbles. Um, we wish we miss him, but we love him, and that's what I mean. And that's going back to the other thing. So I, I, I think uh, even um, Gilmore, even though we replaced him, pays tribute a lot. To, to Barrett and Shine On You Crazy Diamond not only is this a great song because it's it's one of the classic the Floyd the big sound the slow sound that they bring in God that Gilmore guitar man he yep. just uh, the man oh, we'll get into that later I got more things on that folks hang on <laughs> Shine On You Crazy Diamond really to me is just one of those if I if they played like three songs, as long as that was one of them, I'd walk away happy. Every every time, every time. And starting starting off the second set with it was was awesome. Again, set placement for the for the most part, song placement in the set. I think they did a great uh, great job with it. And then Hey You and Run Like Hell. Um, you know, not <laughs> no not really a surprise. Um, you know, at the end, but like, like I mentioned, there were there were there were there was a lot of pyro and fireworks at the end. Um, at least watching the watching the video, I don't I don't really recall that um, when we were there. But uh, any any songs that you guys missed that weren't in the set at all? Personally, me, I didn't know enough. Still. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of. I, I, I didn't see. The funny thing is, I didn't get into animals till after this, and I would have liked to heard some stuff off animals because I'm a huge animals fan, and uh, I know I brought this, and pushed it on you guys uh, a few slam fests to go. Just like and you guys heard animals, because I know I have. You're gonna hear it whether you like it or not. Um, <laughs> well, see, see the see the Tulsa Maiden Slam Fest. We yeah. listened to animals ding, ding, ding. down there. Yeah, <laughs> ding ding ding. Exactly. That's what I think. We got into this big mm-hmm. boy thing when when Craig uh, passed over and said, "Hey, you like metal?" Like, yeah, dude. We're going to Maiden. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I didn't know metal the album. Oh, hilarious. I just think that's so funny. But uh, no, uh, second set. Uh, oh, you know what I think is weird too. But Encore, hey you, what the hell? If that was never played, I wouldn't give a shit. I mean, who cares? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, hey you, why are you playing this? Play something, <laughs> play anything else. Good God. You know how many other songs you could have played that are way better than hey you? <laughs> to me, that's just like lazy. It's like, okay, what's the slowest song we can play? Because I'm tired. I don't know. Hey, you. All right, let's do it. They don't care. <laughs> Come on. 
<laughs> I don't know, but run like hell. I, I have no problem with that. Clumsy. Yeah. Yep. But uh, yep. anything else but hate you. That hate you. Literally anything. Because so, that to me is so waters based anyway. Yeah. So Mike, how do you feel about hey you? Well, I gotta say, <laughs> hey you, get off my set list. I, I'm tired of listening. No, you don't belong there. So now a year after we saw the show, they released Pulse, which was the live album and live video. I I never I've never owned it. I've never heard it. I've never seen it. I've heard it. Okay. Yep. I've heard it. And yeah, it was the show. It was the show? Yeah. yeah. It was like, yeah, yeah. Well, like we said, it was it was kind of like Delicate Sound of Thunder, except they put it in the newer song. But I also own Division Bell, so I already sure. knew those songs. And then I had Delicate Sound of Thunder, so it didn't. I, you know, I, I wasn't going to buy it yep. or anything. Like, nope, I saw it. And it was great. And you cannot, you cannot, uh, duplicate like the seats we had in that. I mean, we're never going to go to a stadium show guys and get 20 rows, a stadium, not, not even just a, a concert in a, in a venue with 20,000 people. We're talking 60, 50,000 people, yep. 20 rows back dead center. Yep. We're never going to see that again. Gotcha. Yep. And we were, we were so excited. I can remember the anticipation of going to this show. I just, I just remember I, yeah, when you guys called me and Luke got the lottery number and, you know, and I, I was, I was so, yeah, so, so excited for it. So let's get into the band on the bill spotlight. So I was struggling with the subject matter for this segment and, and kind of threw it out to these guys and, and Andy had a great idea and said, how about we put Waters up against Gilmore and just have a have a discussion about that. So that's so that's what we're gonna do. Waters obviously, you know, been with the band since day one. Um, obviously was not on Momentary Lapse of Reason or Delicate Sound of Thunder or the Division Bell and 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 Pulse, but um, and Gilmore um, you know, came in um, there actually after, I think he was actually in there at the same time with Sid for a couple of the albums, but I think he was maybe in the background and wasn't as, wasn't as involved. So I don't know, guys, how do you want to tackle this? Do we just want to, in general? Andy, you brought it up. I can Speak start. Piece. Yeah, go. Okay. I've changed my mind twice in the last week. Uh, if I'm picking who is more Pink Floyd, in my experience, I'm I'm gonna go with Gilmore. But I, it's not by a long shot. I think I was trying to remember my experience of listening to Pink Floyd over the last many decades. And how many times was I appreciating the emotion and the chills we've all talked about and the lyrics and the poetry of Waters versus how many times I was getting chills based on the music, the melody, the musicianship, the guitar of Gilmore. And of course, each on vocals, but very different. 
I'm, I would accept any argument that said Waters is, is the more important member. But for me and for my experience as a Pink Floyd fan, casual at that, it's, it's Gilmore. And I think he brought uh, the melody. And then of course, based on the reading I've done, uh, did way more to keep the band together and uh, to keep the band going compared with Waters. And then the, the Momentary Lapse of Reason is, depending on the week, my favorite album. And so, and I love the division bell too. Part of that was just timing and being 21 years old. So I'm going with Gilmore. Well said. Mike, do you want to go next? Sure. You know, it's interesting. Waters versus Gilmore to me is like saying, so you like barbecue? Yeah. Well, what do you like better? Is it like the brisket or the smoke that makes it? Because you can't have one without the other. Uh, can you do it alone? Well, yeah, you can. And well, you know, eating wood by itself does suck. But um, <laughs> my point is, you know, I, perhaps I think I even made a comment before we got to this was David Gilmore can do more with three notes on a guitar than anybody I know. I mean, that is my, I, I, I don't think I made that up. I think I saw somebody say that maybe. I don't know, but I, I've carried that with me because it's true. I've never heard anybody be able to take literally three notes and make a whole solo. You're like, what? How, what do you mean? Well, the song that I was ripping before, Hey You, just listen to it. Just, there's just so, three, three notes, and then he'll take the note, bend it, a little vibrato, and it will make you feel the whole way through. Listen to animals. Oh my God. I don't want anybody singing on that album. Just take it off and just listen to the damn thing. Sometimes I just forget there is singing. It's just listen to that guitar. That guy putting on that uh, uh, the talk box and sing. Oh my, I made my wife listen to that. Like in the car, I pulled over just to listen to this solo part. I'm like, listen to this stuff. I go, do you have any idea? Well, we were going to, well, first of all, we were going to see uh, El Monstero, I'm like, no, 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 you gotta, you know, like, I just say, no, 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 you don't know, you know. So I pull up, you know, we're right there, we're drinking. I'm like, listen, we're gonna go into the show. You gotta listen to this part. And she's like, okay, what? Cause you keep talking. Just let me listen to the goddamn thing. And I'm like, no, right here. It's perfect. It's perfect. And it is. And that guy will take a note, will take you from here to here to here and will make you feel when, and, and and that's things to me with music, any music. When you get, when you can, when anyone can make you feel a way, happy, sad, high, low, both. That when we talk about the big sound of Floyd with songs, from the big, low to the building, and to like you know the slow thing, but then he takes it to the solo, and the solo is just like cranking it out, even though the song is slow. And he's just going high up. He's going up high on the neck and down, and it doesn't matter. And sometimes he just takes one note and bends it. Ah, oh, David Gilmore, I love him. 
That being said, without some of the songs there, without that background, I think it blends in so perfectly with the waters, those lyrics. This is the guy, the waters is like the thinker, dude, when it comes to the lyrics. He's got something to say and he's gonna tell you about it. But then Gilmore's gonna come in with the guitar and just make it right and go, hey, here's what we're saying musically with the note. To me, that's amazing, amazing. And that's why there, there's so few people in any band that, that can do that. The way they work together, they, and I love, they hate each other, I don't care. But the way they work together, it was smoke and brisket, man. And together you got barbecue. Who am I gonna pick if I have to pick one? I'm a guitar guy and I will always go with Gilmore, but I'm, I am I just, I do not want to shortchange Roger Waters in any way. I just, it's not right. Like I said, you can't have barbecue without brisket and smoke. You can't. And, uh, but I'm, I love Gilmore. I mean, I, I just always have. And, um, <laughs> and Waters wrote all that stuff that I like. <laughs> it was like animals, animals you wrote. But like I said, you listen to that goddamn guitar. There's a few people in this world who will speak through through their guitar, and I say, and you guys have heard me talk. There's a few guys who will make their guitar speak. David Gilmore's one. He is one of them. You got like Hendrix. You got Steve Ray Vaughan. You got Eddie Van Halen. You got Bandy Rhodes. Honestly. And then you got David Gilmore. And, you know, the other guys, you think, yeah, they're more hard rock and they're doing crazy stuff. This guy can do things. He can emote feelings as much with less work, I'll say. Well, he just, he knows how to do it. I just, I can't get over it. And like I said, there is no one. How many times have you seen someone get out a lap steel and rock the shit out of it? One guy, one guy, David Gilmore. And I'll, I'll just, I just, too many things there that just makes these, he's yep. just, I have to, yep. and that is not, I, I cannot, like I said, I'm not disrespecting Roger Waters. All right. So very well said by both, both Andy and, and Mike. So the, the way I look at it is, you know, Waters wrote everything. Um, Gilmore, however, has a co-writing credit on, most of the big songs, if you go through the, the albums, he's, um, you know, on, on a lot of those. But when I, when I think of Pink Floyd, and maybe it has to do with when I came into it, which was the momentary lapse of, of reason uh, time frame, I think of Gilmore's voice. I, I'm not a huge fan of Waters' voice, I get it. I, I I understand the emotion that he's putting into the songs and, and the reasoning for that, but it doesn't. Uh, I don't love it. My ear doesn't doesn't love it. And going through, I haven't listened to Pink Floyd in a, a while. I don't listen to classic rock. I don't listen to the radio. I haven't listened to the radio in 15 years, probably. So I, you know, I'm not burned out on on that on that stuff so going back and preparing for this episode and listening to it again i couldn't help myself but say and mike mike probably said it better than me the guitar solos <laughs> in all of these songs just 
give you chills. His tone, just the, the notes that he's choosing. And it just, I, could there have been a Pink Floyd without David Gilmore? Well, I don't know if, he, if, if Waters could have found somebody else to sing it and to, to play guitar, I, maybe. Could there have been one without Waters? No, and I, that was Mike's point. You, you, that, that's why they, they fit so well together. But for my ear, the songs that Gilmore was involved in writing the ones that he sang, the guitar solos in all the songs, his his uh, note selection just uh, just puts it puts it over the edge for me. So I guess it's a hat trick for for Mr. Gilmore. But again, as Mike eloquently put, that doesn't take anything away from from Waters because it's mostly his stuff that was that was then being performed um, so so well by by Gilmore. So, so moving on to the slam fest tip of the week, I kind of teased it at the beginning. Some of these episodes that I've been doing recently, I've been going off script a little bit with, with the slam fest tip of the week, but I, I made the comment about that YouTube zoo TV tour that I also had tickets for. And so I guess my, the slam fest tip of the week is, is don't let your girlfriend hold on to the tickets. Because when when you break up with her, then the tickets uh, go to end up going to somebody else. So yeah, so I was supposed to go to that, and I assume I would have met up with Andy, and probably not have remembered much of it either, um, if that if that were the case. But so so simple. Keep it simple, stupid. Don't uh, don't let don't let a girlfriend hold on to your ticket. All you young kids out there, don't let. Don't let your girlfriends hold on to the tickets. You got to hold on to them yourself. I got a story for that. Right? Yeah, shoot. Uh, if I can add to that, because yeah. that is perfect. I, uh, you know, many, you know, a couple decades ago, uh, dating someone and uh, uh, Ozzy uh, went back on tour, amazingly enough. And uh, a retirement sex tour. And she bought me two tickets. I'm like, oh my God, thank you. This is so great. And I took my brother. Uh, because I was not going to waste a fucking Ozzy ticket on a girlfriend when my brother and I couldn't see him together. Uh, thank you, honey. Thank you. You know me well. I ain't taking you. <laughs> she was kind of like, huh? I'm like, I got to take my brother. <laughs> so, hey, blood blood is thicker than tickets. There or, you go. Uh, or then, well, what would say? Uh, my point is, yeah. Yeah. Go with people you know. Go with what you know. Yep. Don't mess with a good thing. Exactly. I love you, mommy tickets. I taking you to Ozzy. <laughs> Ouch. I couldn't. No, I think she was hurt, but I'm like, you don't care about it. My brother loved it. Yes, exactly. And that's but, what. But, you know, and I gave her so much credit. Like, thank you for buying me two tickets. Yes. I'm taking you. <laughs> because it's like. You're not even going to enjoy it. I mean, my brother is going to... This is my first time my brother saw Ozzy. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, we're going... Because at that point, we're like, oh, he's retiring. He's not retiring. So, and actually, I'll add on to that too, Mike. So speaking of Ozzy, so I I feel like when we left the Pink Floyd show, you know, we were all in awe. But I, I swear, and Andy, I don't know if you remember this, but 
I think Mike said that was awesome, but the Aussie No More Tours tour was better. <laughs> maybe maybe it was the alcohol and the, the secondhand smoke in, in Cyclone Stadium, but I remember. I remember that because we've recounted that so many times. Ullman just with the slam walking yep. out. Yep. Yep. Mic drop. Mic drop because that's uh, so funny. What we just witnessed, this absolute visual, uh, you know, masterpiece. bombast, masterpiece. And Mike's like, yeah, it was good. Doesn't beat the doesn't beat the No More Tours tour from Ozzy. <laughs> it's true. No, I mean, that, it's, let me tell you. Yep. You, yep. You, if you saw that thing, Ozzy in his, still in his prime. Yep. Uh, and bringing it and just leaving it all, leaving it all on the stage, and he could. He, I mean, he, he made sure, like, he thought it was his last, which I don't think goodness it wasn't. I mean, yeah. We saw some several good tours still from him. Um, but uh, killer. I mean, yeah. it was killer. It was. I mean, there was nothing, there was not a uh, fist. You know, there was not a uh, yeah fist pump left in the house. I mean, everybody yeah. was just oh yeah, it was on, man. It was yep. on from start to finish. Nobody, everybody walked out exhausted. Yep. And it's like, dude, you gave it your all and satisfied. Yeah, nobody yes. left that show not being satisfied. In the Floyd show, I mean, we talked about how great it's just yeah. a just inc- great yep. show. We are getting better tickets. Yep. <laughs> but how I felt walking out, I'm just saying. <laughs> Like, once again, I'm not disrespecting <laughs> Roger Waters by saying I like Gilmore, uh, but yeah, the Ozzy uh, No yep. More Tours, dude, he he left it on the table. He man. brought it. He did. He, he did. Left his heart on the table. Shared everything with everybody. Yep. Man. Great. All right, so we're gonna close this episode out with a which side are you on? But it's side one, side two, side three, or side four of Pink Floyd's The Wall. So released November 30th, 1979, produced by Bob Ezrin, uh, Alice Cooper, Kiss, obviously other Pink Floyd stuff. I think Gilmore still worked with him uh, on on those later albums as well. Uh, Deep Purple, later on in Deep Purple's career, Ezrin was, was there. Um, David Gilmore, Roger Waters, and then James Guthrie uh, was the was the fourth credited producer, and he actually did Judas Priest, Hellbent for Leather, and oh, Queensrÿche, The Warning, which I I just looked at his name up, and those were the those were the two two albums of note that I wanted to mention. So obviously, this album reached number one, and in the states at least twenty three times platinum. So so guys, I think let's, uh, you know, we don't have to go track by track, you know, looking at each side though, maybe each of us could, could speak on, you know, um, each side and what our, what our thoughts are on it. So Mike, you want to take side one? Oh yeah. Side Shoot. one. Go. It's the, it's the best side. <laughs> this is the best. No, the, I, I thought I had to yeah, pick a side. I picked side one. For me, hands down, the sinking into the abyss. <laughs> this is, have you ever seen a, a, 
a star, you know, on, on Nova, you know, big nerd here. Oh, here's how a star gets sucked into a black hole. Side one, dark side, dark side, right? Side one, it is the dark side. It is sucking you in down <laughs> to the to void, the darkness, the vo- into the void. Perfect. How we get this is setting up the whole wall. This is why the album exists is because of side one. This is his childhood, bringing his into how he uh, was raised with the war, with his uh, the, the schooling, with the just depression, with the the mother, with the the father stepfather that the raising issue as a kid this puts you the whole wall exists because of side one the rest of it is like uh, i'm gonna write the rest of it and kind of make it up but this side one is real this is like him speaking about his upbringing roger waters speaking you know we said his writing this to me like if you want to say oh you have to pick an album uh, yeah this is roger waters that is best by far but this is also kind of his autobiography his autobiography to me is side one and this is what completely develops the rest of the album there's just nothing sinking to the abyss now i like dark i mean i am a i love early sabbath i love chris cornell i like dark shit and side one is taking you from like hi look at me i'm skating and it's then ice and it's a brick in the wall one and the happiest days of our lives to the screaming and to the robots to mother to just complete the kid is just lost i mean it's it's depressing if i'm if you're sad don't listen to this shit. i mean you'll be yeah you'll be like looking up kevorkian websites you don't don't listen to this it is dark but that's what i mean it had developed the whole album exists because of sight yeah, I'll stop there. Well said, Andrew. So yeah, I actually based on based on the fact that this is a four-sided album, this is probably the better way to go. What 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 side would you choose? One, two, three, or four? I chose side three. I think uh, the background, with all due respect to side one, and I love all of it. Probably one through three, I love a little more than four, but the. Side three to me, if if side one is the background or the roots, side three is the resignation. So I feel like, and some of this is influenced by the movie. You guys watch the movie? I watched that yeah. a few times. Yeah, several times and usually was side three is when uh, he's hammered And if you're drinking along with the movie, you're hammered. And so uh, it's kind of the resignation to this, this is over now, I have no way out. I feel like side two, he still has a choice. Everything's fallen apart. It's the continuation uh, after Mike described the background of side one, but he still has a little bit of a choice in side two to get the hell out of there out of that life but side three is full resignation i'm in it i'm not going back shoot me up with whatever and uh, so and i think that i like the music of side three 
uh, the best of all of them, but it's it's not by a long shot. So I'm going with three. So this is this is actually very very interesting because when I was um, before we went on the air, I, I mentioned how um, how much more difficult this was than what I thought it was going to be. Just you know, looking at the track listing and um, but delving back into it after I hadn't heard it in a while, I was actually down to side one versus side three, <laughs> which is which is interesting that that you guys both chose. Uh, chose those so I went back and forth back and forth um, and at the end of the day and I know this is this might be a silly way to look at it but um, I, you know not a fan of Vera and not a fan of bring the boys back home um, it, was, it was funny I was listening to this a lot in the car so transporting my son back and forth to different things and I told them that this was the next album we were going to be talking about and had to choose a side. And I remember <laughs> bring the, bring the boys back home came on and he, he was like, dad, what side's this on? And I said, three, he goes, don't choose this. <laughs> so, so anyway, that wasn't the reason why, but those, so those two songs I'm not, I'm not a fan of. Um, so I'm going with side one. Um, Obviously, another brick in the wall part two. There's fatigue there, right? We've we've all heard it a, a million times, but you can't can't. Deny, I mean, the bass line um, of that and the guitar solo during that, just again talking musically. Um, but I mean, in the flesh, thin ice. Actually, I like another brick in the wall part one uh, these days more than part two. Um, just. Uh, just just unbelievable actually and then i mentioned happiest days of our lives i wish that was would have been live um just that build mike described it so well as well and then closing with mother i, I mean I, I, no 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 words um again love the mellow vocal i mentioned i'm not a huge fan of waters uh vocal all the time but it it worked <laughs> it worked there um, so I'm, I am going with side one as well. So two votes for side one, one vote for side three. Again, there's no, no wrong answer here, but, um, you know, it actually looking at the sides, I would have gone one, three, two, four is if there's I a wrong answer. Side four. Yeah. Four. Four. It's four. You're, you're dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Nobody listens to that. <laughs> just you're an idiot so yes there is a wrong answer there i mean three right answers though <laughs> i mean i mean in the flesh, one wrong answer <laughs> in the flesh on side four versus in the flesh on side one it's not even close no. i mean it's a four minute song on side four but there's uh, i don't know it doesn't no. it doesn't work it doesn't Doug work no yeah. That's like, oh crap, we're done with the album. We have a whole other side to do. Let's just throw some <laughs> shit out there. Yeah, good idea. Whatever. Well, no, that's what, when we, you know, the other thing is you talk, the final cut is just, yeah. that is not a real album. That is just crap left over yes. from Wall mm -hmm. and or the stuff from the movie. So that's not even a real album. It's right. just garbage. It's a leftover. That's yes. why it sucks and nobody knows about it. <laughs> so don't bother listening to it if you haven't yet. Just, yes. I'll, I'll save you some time. Exactly. Wall, wall is brilliant. So. It is. It is. I think this is a. This has been a great, great thing. Uh, it, 
Michael, thank you. Thank you for, for coming on. And again, I know, I know there are, there are subsequent uh, episodes where you are going to be on. So whether you like it or not, you're, you're coming on, but I think you'll like it. And Andy, thank you for coming back on. You're welcome. I had a blast again and I love it. This is always a very good discussion. I think Roger, if you're listening, you're in the side four of your life. We'd like to have you back. <laughs> I hope they can hear all of us talking and hear me laughing at that. <laughs> brilliant. No, that's I love it. I want to. Yeah, I just you know I'm not sure how the recording works, but I, I hope even when we're talking or laughing over each other, that that that's part of it because that needs to be in there. I think it'll. Be, <laughs> I think it'll be in there. So thanks, guys, and I know we'll. Uh, We'll meet up again on the on on these digital airwaves at at some time in the in the future. So thanks Dark again for coming on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go, there you go. So, did any of you ever see Pink Floyd in concert? If so, when and where, and what were your thoughts, memories, or stories from that show? What are your thoughts on Roger Waters versus David Gilmore? Who do you prefer? And last but not least. What are your thoughts on Pink Floyd's masterpiece, The Wall, Side 1, Side 2, Side 3, or Side 4? Let us know your thoughts by emailing us at slamfestpodcast at gmail.com or request to join our private Facebook page at Slamfest Podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time. <laughs>